Welcome back, listeners, to episode number nine. Last episode, as you know, we had so many questions, we ran out of time. They have pushed over to today, and some will be about Alexander, and some will be general spiritual questions associated with episode five, sacred spiritual contracts, or even some of the previous episodes. If you're ready, Catherine, you can go ahead and ask our first question. Well, going back a little bit to some of these questions that we've been getting, there was one question that someone wanted to know, who was this queen to you anyway? Uh, You seem to have described who other people were from the past into the present time. Do you even know who the queen really is? I do know who the queen is. And I'm just going to mention, listeners, that sometimes uh, people will say to me, you know, you remember past lives. I'll say yes. And they'll say, I don't remember any. And I'll say, bless you. Because sometimes remembering times, places, trauma, and the people, the characters, and the personalities that are there can lead to a challenge in your life that you're totally not anticipating. For me, this is the queen. And I cannot reveal who she is because she doesn't remember at all this past life. And I feel it's kind of uh, my ethic to protect her privacy because this person isn't the queen. This person is an entirely different personality And if in her life she's meant to remember this and the veil of memory and awareness should change for her, I would be there to help her. But at this moment, it's wrong of me to reveal who she is. So thank you for asking. But on this particular topic, the queen will remain a secret. All righty. Okay, the next question that came in um, was, can you describe more of the town where Alexander was living in when he was in Rome? I can to a degree. When Alexander went from the palace to his house, I have almost no memory of that. It happened so fast and his mind was so scattered. I, I don't really... I didn't really get any impression from him. But when he went from his house to his father-in-law's house and he was walking, in the back of his mind, he was thinking, maybe my wife just wasn't home. Maybe they haven't taken her. Maybe I'm entirely wrong in this situation. Really, it was a hopeful thought. As he walked across town, he was looking for her. So I can express uh, some of the things that ran through his mind that popped out for me like, oh, that's different. I've not seen that before. And I'd be happy to do that. You know, one thing that I've noticed about past lives and those of you that have had memories of them is that the sky is blue. The night is black. The stars are the stars. And if you didn't know where you were at, you would just think that you were in any other town. 
And this is true of that. So it was a nice uh, day when he left his house, although it became different by the time it became dark. And I'll just mention for a second that Rome was a really violent place. So he was always kind of on his guard. But as he's walking across town, he is sort of aware, I'm sort of really aware, not so much him, I'm aware that love, family, work, social status are all kind of the same, whatever time frame that you're in. So I'm seeing people walking together, adults holding the hands of children, I'm seeing lovers holding hands, I'm seeing just what would be kind of a normal town. But one thing that pops out for me, uh, well, a couple of things actually, but the first thing is I see a musical instrument that's being played by some street entertainers. And it's not an instrument that I've seen before, not that I have a vast knowledge of (laughs) musical, uh, you know, type instruments, but it kind of, is different than a a lyre. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but uh, the instrument that was common in that time, it's not as wide and it's more tall, but it has a sound like a harp. So as this person is playing it, it's really uh, the melody and the sound reminds me of a harp. And I really kind of look at that as myself as we pass, but it's tall and, and, and slender there are five uh, strands on it that this person is playing, but it's not as long as, it's not like a guitar and it's not like um, a cello or anything like that. It's more portable. So this person is carrying it. I don't know what it's called. The next thing that I noticed that was different than our time is it's a place to buy street food, but I'll try to explain it. You would, it kind of looks like to me as like a bus stop where it's covered. You walk in one side and you walk out the other side. But in the center, there are big vats of food that are lined up on this uh, concrete. And it's long. It's maybe 10 or 15 feet long. And you walk in the beginning and you pay your money. And you go through and you get your food and then you come out the other end, uh, with your food. And there's a person there as well to, you know, kind of, you know, like an, a greeter, but the exit greeter sort of thing, uh, making sure that everything is okay and that you've gotten everything that you needed. So I really kind of noticed that because I noticed the smell and it smells really good. And I'm really kind of attracted and curious. I really want him to stop for a second and walk over and actually look at the food. Because I'm a food kind of a person. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what they're serving there, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're just passing it up and we're continuing uh, to head for my father-in-law's. So those are the couple of things that I notice. you And things that you probably have already been taught about Rome, togas and things like that. And, uh, you know, the bigger, heavier wagons that are being used and the way that the animals are, the harnesses on the animals and the way that those things are, which are much different than uh, we're currently uh, using in uh, modern times, uh, certainly. Uh, Ours are a lot more lightweight and a lot more fancy and festive. 
And theirs are a lot more like well-made hardcore that are going to last you for hundreds of years. And, you know, certainly beyond the life of these uh, animals, it's really apparent that they've been used before. And uh, so that's what I have. That's all that I can really see as uh, we've crossed town, because by this point, we're at my father-in-law's house and <laughs> I'm disattached. I'm, I'm focused on what's happening in front of me. Well, thank you for that uh, great description. Another question that came from a few listeners was, how did Alexander feel about being a paid assassin? He said that he loved his job, and that just felt very strange to me. Well, you know, really, to be honest, he considered himself a very ethical man. He was not the man who was going to, like the other gladiators, torment people, pull off fingers, rip off skin, and some of the other uh, horrendous things. You know, bearing in mind that Rome was a really, really violent place. Yeah, it was very violent. It was very violent. Mm -hmm. And these sorts of things were for entertainment. But he considered himself very ethical. He felt like by standing his ground and saying, no, I'm going to kill you very quickly, would set him aside and it would kind of um, absolve him of any kind of negativity. As long as he had the mind to be professional, he considered himself a professional. And so when he said he loved his job, he loved that aspect of his job, not the murdering aspect, but the aspect of ethic and a uh, responsibility that he felt mattered so much to him. Mm -hmm. And it kind of set him aside. Nobody else around him felt that way. Uh, nobody else saw it that way. Perhaps the queen saw it that way, and maybe that's what made her so mad. She decided to hurt him the only way that she could hurt him, because there was really only one way that you could hurt him, and that was through his wife. Right. Yeah, I just have to wonder if there was a... Uh, your her entire goal was to was to hurt him on a very personal level. So I really don't know the background story with her there, but I think that it had to do with his ethics and or at least him seeing himself uh, above all others in this ethics kind of category. Mm -hmm. You know, Catherine, people have had a lot of questions about Alexander and the trauma that he experienced and. Maybe our next step is to do a live spiritual therapy healing session related to Alexander before we kind of put him away. What are your thoughts? I think that's an excellent idea because that's the whole premise behind past life therapy. It's not only helping to heal the person having the experience in the here and now, but to also help those aspects of themselves be able to heal and therefore not carry it on into another uh, cellular experience somewhere else. So yes, I'm up for it. Let's give it a go. Well, this is going to be exciting, folks. So uh, we'll see you next time, our live spiritual therapy.
Thank you to all of our listeners. If you have enjoyed our frequency journey today, please share it with your family and friends. Make sure to visit us at clovistia.com or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook where we have about a million followers over there. Until next time, please share your frequency.